0: Hello again, everybody. My name is Tim Muma and you're listening to Management Decisions here on localjobnetwork.com radio. Now here on Management Decisions, we like to discuss a wide array of topics that will affect upper management, executives, and even business owners. Now, oftentimes we do look to the biggest, most financially successful companies to learn from and maybe get some strategic tips, but perhaps that doesn't always net us the best insight into creating our own profitable business. Our guest, Mike Mazio, is one of three authors of the book Roadside MBA, Backroad Lessons for Entrepreneurs, Executives, and Small Business Owners, where the authors were in search of maybe a little different perspective. Mike is also an associate professor of management at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management, and we're glad to have him on the show today. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm great,
1: Tim. Thanks for having me on
0: your show. The book sounds very fascinating, um, some interesting ideas in there, but let's start there. We'll get into some details, but I just want to find out, give, me, give the listeners an idea of the backstory, how this came about, how this idea came to be, and then just the general premise of what you guys were doing with the book
1: you said it well the big companies can give a lot of insights and examples for how to run businesses better and and do strategy better but you know we found in teaching and mba programs that the same examples get recycled over and over and these examples of large companies can get a little stale and especially they don't always speak to the challenges faced by smaller companies Mm -hmm. so we decided to you know, maybe take a little bit of a different perspective, get some new examples, and hopefully ones that would resonate with small businesses. The way to do that, we felt, was to go out on the road. And, and the three of us are big fans of road trips. <laughs> so we went to different parts of the country to meet small business owners and to, to
0: learn their stories. So did you guys have a strategy as far as what regions you wanted to go to or if you were looking for a particular type of industry or how did that sort of come to be?
1: We really tried to get... A variety, a variety of different geographies, different industries, different kinds of businesses, older and newer. And so at first, we just went for anyone who would talk to us. (laughs) After a while, we tried to, you know, fill in some of the holes. We had, you know, a little bit too much in retail, so we tried to get some more in services. We didn't have too many uh, at first businesses that were owned by women, so we tried specifically to fill out okay. and and get some insights there. And so after we had taken six or seven trips, then we started to get a really nice variety and spread out of all different kinds of companies.
0: Oh, I think that's really cool. And I like how you you guys kind of just did whatever to start and then start, as you said, filling the holes with what you might've missed. I think that's a cool way to go about it.
1: Yeah, I guess at first we were, we wondered if anyone w- really would talk to us. That's a good uh, point. <laughs> but we, <laughs> so we,
0: we weren't too picky right at the beginning. Now, as I said, we'll get into some of the maybe finer details and get some examples from you in a moment. What do you think, though, as far as the issue there could be or the danger, as you said, of recycling these old case studies or always talking about the big companies? I mean, is there a disconnect that happens? Because I would argue, of course, that most business owners aren't going to turn out to be the, the head of, you know, GE or, or or a large company like that, but they are going to be on a small scale.
1: I think that's absolutely right. That's what we were going for, to see what insights could be drawn from companies that were sort of more like the experience of the vast majority of business people out there? And so how much can we learn from GE or from Microsoft or from IBM when we're dealing with a much smaller enterprise? I think that, that on the flip side, what's really nice about the examples in our book, because they're about smaller companies, they really take you know, a really integrated perspective. If you do a case study or read something about a very large company like a like a General Electric, it's only really possible to bite off one piece of their entire organization at a sure. time. But for a smaller company, you really see that decisions in, in terms of the strategies are a lot more integrated and holistic, which is, I think, really important for for managers who want to, to want to look more at the big picture.
0: Well, and I think, you know, clearly the, the size of the organizations, the difference between the large and small is obvious to everyone. But what would you point out to maybe some other key differences that you discovered or, or know to be between the different size businesses, ones that maybe you came across while doing the book or, or just in your studies on your own?
1: One thing that's really important that small businesses can do a lot more effectively is communicate internally and really get the information from the customer through the business to the product development in a really a seamless way. In a, in a large company, a lot of times there's silos and mm. so marketing and engineering, you know, they're all doing their own thing and trying to be as effective, but not communicating with each other as much as they should. We talk to companies where because they're small and they, they share the same space and they're really able to have that communication in depth and that really helps their business be more effective. We met with a company out in Pueblo, Colorado, called GPS Source. This company manufactures systems, uh, technical systems that work with the GPS signal. And, and specifically, what they do is they try to bring GPS signal inside buildings or inside of you know places where it can't can't really go through walls. Right. What this company did really successfully was it managed its R&D budget, which because they're a small company is has got to be small. They managed that R and D budget very well because they picked projects to work on that their sales people and their marketing people said the customers were really looking for. Right. That way they were able to drive R and D through a customer centric kind of a focus, which is really important.
0: I think it's a great example of uh, of maybe the advantage that a smaller business would have in that way. How about between the two, again, if we're looking at large versus small or sort of that company idea versus a Almost a mom and pop idea. Are there still basic principles that go either way that you recognized? Maybe it was on a slightly different scale, but they still fit into that ideal model no matter what size of the organization.
1: There's really, you know, a set of economic principles that drive business strategy and successful business strategy, no matter what size of a company you are. And what was nice about some of these examples from the from the smaller firms is that they really allowed you to home in on that and really made those insights a lot more precise. Mm -hmm. You know, we did a, there's a chapter in the book about pricing and how pricing really has to reflect both the cost side of the business and, you know, you need to recover your costs, but also to think about how customers' willingness to pay and the extent of substitutes, how those drive and shape a company's pricing as well. Now, if you're a company that has 8,000 different products, the pricing equation can get quite complicated, but it's still based on those same principles.
0: Sure. We're talking a lot in theory because you you, you could have 20 small businesses and they still have different demographic, different ways about going business, same thing with the large scale side of things. But was there anything that stood out to you that you thought, if you were speaking to a group of executives from some of these larger corporations or companies, that you would say, hey, look at what this small business does, look at the strategies they use, and you could implement this in your everyday you know, model. Is there something that stood out to you in that way or something that maybe could be utilized for those big businesses?
1: Let me give you an example. So I think that growth is a really important aspiration for small companies and for big companies. Okay. And a lot of times when companies think about growth, they think about product extensions or new applications for the current product line that they have. We think that thinking about growth in terms of a company's capabilities is a lot more productive and can help. And we saw a great example of this in our travels. There was a company that we met out in Kennewick, Washington, on the, uh, on the eastern side of the state. And this company manufactured customized wheelchairs. Well, we asked how they got into this business, and it turned out that the roots of this business weren't in wheelchairs at all. They were in manufacturing titanium tubing wow. for the nuclear power industry. <laughs> well, how do you get from, from nuclear power tubes to wheelchairs? <laughs> right. The connection is through the metal. Okay. Uh, titanium is the metal that was used back in the day for these tubes in the nuclear power industry. And over time, the company had developed an expertise in shaping and welding and working with titanium as a metal. But when the nuclear power industry started to wane in the 80s and 90s, the company needed to grow really in order to survive. Instead of thinking through, OK, what, where else can I sell these tubes or what other you know, power industry applications there might be, they said, wait a second we've got this expertise in working with this particular metal. What other applications for that expertise can we find? And let's think about growth in that context. And I think that that's a really, really good way for companies to think about growth. What is it that we do well? What kind of expertise do we have? And then how can we apply that maybe in in a different context?
0: I like that example a lot. I think that's a fascinating way of just that specific example of how they, as you said, survived and now still, of course, thriving in an area that, uh, yeah, as you said, it didn't seem to be much of a connection, but there clearly was when you broke it down that way.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It was a very exciting, fast-growing company because of that.
0: Right. Well, again, I I enjoy hearing some of the specific examples that you've brought up, and I kind of want to just open it up to you here if you had um, some other stories that really you enjoyed from your travels, uh, any specific, whether it be an organization, a person, or a strategy that that someone was using. uh, Just if you could share a couple of those. Uh, I don't want you to give away everything from the book, obviously, but anything you thought the (laughs) listeners would enjoy hearing.
1: Probably one of the, the most fun days that we spent on the road was a day we spent in a town called Dothan, Alabama, down in the southeastern corner of the state. And okay. we met with two different businesses, very different industries, but both you know very exciting and very creative. The first was a company called Key Firehose. And Key Firehose is the largest manufacturer in the U.S. of firehose. Mm-hmm. And they had a very interesting business. And in a way, it was really a story of how a company can use its expertise and also its investments in you know, equipment and, and things like that to really dominate a market. So it's a small market, relatively small, the market for firehose. It's very specific, right. <laughs> but they were able to gain a really high percentage of the, the market share in that market using their expertise and using their, the, the equipment that they developed. Nobody wanted to enter that industry because they were so successful. Down the road from Key Firehose, we met with a company called Panhandle Converter Recycling. And this company was in the business of collecting and extracting the precious metals from catalytic converters. So we didn't realize this before going in, but your even your most junked car is right. worth a couple hundred dollars because <laughs> of the precious metals in the catalytic converter. This company you know, it seemed like a very straightforward business to us, but it turned out that there was a lot of complicated informational problems involved because each catalytic converter had a different value based on what precious metals were inside. It was really tough for, for, for anybody to tell how much the converters might be worth mm-hmm. before you bought them and broke them apart and actually extracted the metal. So this company had developed some interesting informational data collection techniques in order to try to figure that out before they paid the money to the junk dealers who were bringing these catalytic converters around. That kind of company where you you thought that it was going to be a really straightforward kind of business, but they had developed some really interesting creative strategies to be successful. Those are the kind of companies that really we got very excited about.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really cool just to hear that. I mean, you can form a business out of anything and be successful out of just about anything with that knowledge. And like you said, maybe a little creative thinking and Clearly, that, I think, comes out in in the book, and I do encourage, of course, anybody who's interested to to check some of these out. Again, it's called Roadside MBA, Backroad Lessons for Entrepreneurs, Executives, and Small Business Owners. Uh, Now, we are getting a little low on time, but a couple more things I just wanted to ask about. Obviously, with your experience within a university as well, what do you think is the biggest challenge for individuals who might be learning you know some theories and strategies and those basic principles, and then actually incorporating it into a small business where they need to now have that sort of tangible evidence that something's working or have the information at their fingertips. I mean, do you see maybe what a common challenge is for, for taking it from sort of in the class to out in the real world?
1: Yeah, I think that the, the key thing is to understand what are the right questions that you have to ask for your own business in order to develop the right strategy. Mm-hmm. And in our book we don't give any answers per se. In fact, we we say in the book that the correct answer to any strategic challenge is it depends. <laughs> and that might not sound like like great very great useful advice, but Yeah, some expert you guys. Really are. In, <laughs> exactly. But it's really important to recognize that there aren't one size fits all solutions to right. to business problems. They're really challenging problems. You really have to have to think carefully about what are the right questions to ask, and then how does your specific situation help you to determine what the right path forward is? So our book is kind of organized around helping businesses ask the right questions given their context, and that will help them connect to what the, what the right strategy and the right approach is.
0: Well, again, Mike, I appreciate the conversation. I think some very uh, intriguing ideas, some great stories and examples for our listeners. As we do look to wrap up the conversation here, just want to give you the opportunity to give our listeners a a final takeaway from this conversation. Anywhere you'd like to go, maybe you want to emphasize a a point you made earlier or something we didn't touch on, but just something to sort of uh, bring us to a close. And as I said, give the listeners a takeaway from what we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, I, I think that sort of, you know, we really think it's important to, to see what can lead to small business success. And, and one of the things that we uh, experienced during all these road trips is just some great optimism about small business in the United States and how there's just really interesting, creative ideas out there. And it
0: can be really an
1: inspiration for others, you know, who are, who are looking for that same kind of success.
0: That's a great way to wrap things up here on this edition of Management Decisions. And again, we've been talking with Mike Mazio. He, for one, is an author, one of the authors of Roadside MBA, Backroad Lessons for Entrepreneurs, Executives, and Small Business Owners. He also has experience in the business world in terms of being an Associate Professor of Management at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management. Mike, once again, thanks for coming on, giving us some insight into the book and also some of these uh, both basic principles and maybe some creative ideas for those listening that might be interested. So thanks again for sharing.
1: My pleasure, Tim.
0: And as always, we're looking to hear from you, the listeners, as well. You can shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for any of our podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter, at the LJN. Go ahead and use the hashtag LJNRadio, and you can join in on some conversations there or give us some feedback as well. For everyone here at LJN Radio, I'm your host, Tim Yuma. Take care, everybody.